You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. must be born again. We accept Jesus into our heart. We confess our sins. We repent and allow him to come and indwell in us by his spirit. Then your life has changed forever. What you once were, you are no more. You're a new creation. All things are new in Christ. But people tell me, well, that's just the way I am. Excuse me? No. That's the way you might have been. It's the way you were. But now you're born again. You're born anew. One of the most powerful and beautiful truths about Christ is that in Him, you can be made new. Who you were doesn't have to be who you become when you put your faith in Jesus. Pastor Dave will teach on this truth and encourage you to leave behind your lifestyle of sin. You are never too far gone for Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 8 as he continues his message, Lost or Found. So there was this pastor. He happened to be from the southern part of New Jersey. And he was taking a trip to Florida with his wife. They got tired of the superhighway scene, I-95. They got tired of it. So they decided to take some of the back roads. They wanted to see the wonderful countryside. They wanted to get a taste of Americana. Everything was going quite well. They were enjoying themselves. They were enjoying all the sights until they made a wrong turn and they got in the middle of nowhere. Plain fact was they were dead lost. After wandering around a while, and of course the pastor refused to ask for directions and the GPS couldn't find a signal, they finally stopped at a farmhouse to ask some questions. Walked up to the porch and found an elderly man sitting in a rocking chair, pipe in his mouth, carving on a piece of wood with a knife. Pastor asked, Do you know the way back to the highway? Nope, the man replied, <laughs> not even lifting his head. Well, how about the way back to town? Once again, nope, as he just continued carving. Pastor was beginning to get frustrated. So he said, does this road lead to I-95? I don't know, was the reply. Now the pastor was really frustrated. And he said to the man, well, you don't know much about anything, do you? You don't know one thing. The man looked up, stopped carving, took the pipe out of his mouth and said, I know you're lost. To the Pharisees, listening to Jesus on the day after their great feast, they thought Jesus was indeed lost. They assumed that he did not know where he was from, assumed that he did not know where he was going. But in the reality, the situation was they were the ones that were lost. They were lost inside the religious box, lost in the sea of traditions. They were lost in the sea of hypocrisy, and they were lost in an ocean of man-made laws. 
They were the ones that were blind. In fact, they were looking at the light standing right before them, yet they couldn't see it. Like the pastor who was angry because he was lost, in today's scriptures, we see these religious leaders who were lost, and they seem to respond in the same way. They really don't know what to say to this man, to Jesus standing in front of them. They don't like what he has said. They disagree totally with his claims that he was God, that he came from God, that he was the Messiah. And they knew the validity of him standing before that lampstand when he proclaimed all those things. They knew what was going on. They didn't perceive him as Lord. Dare him claim to be the light of the world. That was a title of the Messiah. And although they didn't perceive him as Lord, they did, however, recognize the enormity of his claim. He was claiming to be equal with God. This didn't sit well with them. He's standing before the lampstand. So they questioned him. We're going to boggle this guy up. We're going to get to the point here. You testify about yourself, and what you say is not true. They were appalled that a man would claim to be the light of the world and do so in front of their festal lights. How dare this man, the audacity of this man. They were no doubt appalled. Why did they fail to believe? Prejudiced. Their prejudice kept them from thinking and giving fair consideration to who Jesus was, his life, his teaching. They fell back to the claim that one man's testimony carries no weight. They went back to their old law in Deuteronomy that it needed to be two or more witnesses. And here Jesus was claiming to be the light of the world. One commentator said this, quote, They couldn't see his light because they were blind. But the light of Jesus did not fail to shine. Just because you don't recognize the light, just because you don't see Jesus as Lord, just because you don't recognize him as the Son of God, doesn't make it any less true. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean Jesus isn't shining brightly today in our hearts. And like these religious leaders who were blinded, caught in the religious box, sadly, we have people like that today. People who are so set in their own arguments and their own opinions, so caught up in the religious box that they never take time to consider who our Lord Jesus is and what the scriptures really say about him. And consequently, they misinterpreted him. They continue to misinterpret him because of the stubbornness of their minds. And as I was studying this, and this is where I seem to get off track, but I'm not off track if you follow me here. As I was studying this, I recalled what Stephen said right before he was stoned in Acts 7. There's a beautiful passage right before they stoned Stephen to death of what he says to them. It's in Acts 7, 51 through 53. Stephen is speaking. He has just given this history of Israel and all the things that are wrong. And he says in 51, talking to the Sanhedrin, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have now become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. They were stubborn. They were willful. 
That's why the Pharisees were coming against Jesus. Their prejudiced views got the best of them. And just like their fathers before them, they had the same traits. They had the same things. Now, when I look at this, I see a hereditary thing here. They're acting just like their fathers did, stubborn, willful. And we acted just like our fathers and our fathers before them. But no, we acted like our first father, Adam. We were stubborn. We were willful. We were obstinate to the things of God at one time. They would not change their way of thinking. They refused to change their way of thinking and allow God to reclaim them back to himself, allow God to reform them into his image and conform them also. They were like their fathers. They were inflexible to the word of God and they were inflexible to the Holy Spirit. They were like their fathers. They were stiff-necked. They would not submit themselves to the easy yoke that Jesus was going to give them. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. They wouldn't bow their hearts to God. They refused to humble themselves. Stiff neck is the same as having a hard heart. Being called stiff neck is like being called obstinate. It's like being called headstrong. You will not yield. What Stephen was saying was, you won't yield to God. You won't yield to God the Father. You won't yield to his Holy Spirit. You won't yield to these things. Stephen said they were uncircumcised in their heart and in their ears. It means that their hearts and their ears were not devoted and given over to the things of God. They resisted the Holy Spirit. They resisted the Holy Spirit speaking to them by the prophets. Each prophet spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance and declared God's worth, and told them basically all the same thing. Get back to God. Repent. Get back to God. They all told them the same thing. Instead, what did they do? They contradicted, they opposed, they hated, and they ridiculed them. And they persecuted the prophets, putting them to death. Which of the prophets that they did not kill? They resisted the Spirit of God, who strove with them, but they resisted in their consciences, and they would not comply to the Spirit's conviction. When the Spirit convicts you of something, we need to comply. We need to say, well, we need to take an evaluation of ourselves and wait a minute. Maybe there's something that I have to do. Maybe there's something that I have to proclaim. Yes, God's Spirit strove with them, but it was in vain. And then they rebelled against the light. Because the light exposed their sin. The light exposed their sin, that they wouldn't come into the light. That's why they loved darkness better, because their sin was not exposed. The light of the world was standing in front of them, in front of the lampstand. He was proclaiming that God's glory has once again returned to the nation Israel. God's glory has now come back, but they didn't recognize it. They didn't want it. They didn't hear to it. The Pharisees questioned him. They rejected him. And then finally, they were so blind they couldn't see that they tried to extinguish the light. In my opinion, cross didn't extinguish the light. The cross made the light shine brighter. Cross made the light shine brighter into our hearts. What happened on the cross? And I believe that the apostle now is deliberately trying to draw our attention to their failure for understanding. Why? 
Because what is the purpose of John's gospel here? Is that all may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing him, have eternal life. This is John's purpose for writing the entire thing. Now, I paraphrase that, but you can read that in chapter 20 of John. He wants all to believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. He is the forgivers of sin. He is the possessor and giver of eternal life. John was concerned that the Pharisees' failure to listen and to understand what Jesus was saying, that they wouldn't get it. That they were losing their opportunity to get it because they were hard of hearing and their heart was hard. Unfortunately, folks, it's a characteristic of the world today. It's a characteristic of the world today. Men and women of all ages listen, you sit for a word, you hear the word, or you talk to somebody, and you only hear what you want to hear. You don't listen to what God's saying to you. You pull out different things and rely on them, rather than listening with your hearts open. Open the eyes of my heart. Why? So I can see you. I want to see you, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Look at my heart. Open those eyes. There's something about our sinful hearts that always resists the Holy Spirit. It always resists the Holy Spirit. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. It wars against the Spirit's motions and the Spirit's operating in our heart. But in the hearts of the children of God, we must allow the Holy Spirit to reign over our hearts, to fully reign over our hearts. And when the fullness of time comes, the resistance is overcome and overpowered. And after the struggle, Jesus is still on the throne. He's still on the throne of our hearts. And every thought that is exalted against itself is brought into captivity. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 14, right? Bring every thought into captivity. Bring every thought into the captivity. When you resist the Holy Spirit, you resist the work of God in your life, actually telling the Father that you want nothing to do with holiness. When you resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're saying, God, I don't want to be holy. I've got all I need. You only desire the flesh. So there are questions that have to be asked. One of them is, do you have an uncircumcised heart and ears? Uncircumcised heart and ears. And finally, are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Are you resisting the Holy Spirit? If we took a test today, if I said, okay, class, today we're going to have a pop quiz. I'm going to have a pop quiz today. We're going to ask two questions. The first question I'm going to ask you, class, is are you going to heaven? All right. So you answer that question. The second question is, how do you know? How do you know? Because I've accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That's how you know you're going to heaven. You've accepted Jesus. Yes, the Bible does tell us that, but you have to mouth it. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. That's what it says. That's what the scripture says. That's how you know. Not because coming to church, although it's great to have you here, you're not to forsake the gathering of the brethren. It's wonderful when we all gather in unity and we seek God and he's appearing in our midst and great things happen, but that doesn't get you to heaven by being a churchgoer only. If you think it does, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Don't trust in a church. Don't trust in a man. Don't trust in your good looks. Don't trust in your good works. Trust in the only work that will get you to heaven and that's a cross. Trust in that and what transpired there. 
That's what we trust in. If you're trusting in religion, if you're trusting in the traditions of men, you're trusting in the wrong thing. These are the things that the nation Israel did, and that's why Stephen is railing at them, calling them stiff-necked. I love that word, stiff-necked. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing God to draw you closer by his spirit. A place in heaven is only secured by faith in Jesus Christ, period. Jesus makes it quite clear in John 14, chapter 6. We'll get there some millennium. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. It cannot get any clearer than that. It cannot get any clearer than that. Confess our sins and accept the sacrifice on the cross. Believe into a relation with him. And then we surrender everything to him. Believing into Jesus' death and his resurrection. Proclaiming Jesus' death and resurrection. Remember, the key. And again, the Gospel of John makes it quite clear. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't cover this stuff. But John does. John clearly covers the meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus. And in John 3, 3, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Born again of a living hope. Born again of the Spirit. Man is born of water. He must be born by the water and Spirit. You must be born again. We accept Jesus into our heart. We confess our sins. We repent and allow him to come and indwell in us by his Spirit. Then your life is changed forever. What you once were, you are no more. You're a new creation. All things are new in Christ. But people tell me, well, that's just the way I am. Excuse me? No. That's the way you might have been. It's the way you were. But now you're born again. You're born anew. You're born afresh. So you can't go back on, well, that's just the way I am. That doesn't work anymore. Because you are a new creature. You're a new creation. Things are new. There needs to be some visible change in your life. If you're still doing the same things you did before you accepted Christ that are against him and still wandering around doing those things, you need to check it out. You need to check out your salvation. There should be a difference. There has to be a difference. Believe what you want. But I believe there has to be a difference. There needs to be a change in your life. And God will change it. So is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Has your life changed? Are you trusting in the Holy Spirit? Or are you stiff-necked, being stubborn and obstinate and inflexible? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit complete access to your life? Complete access to your life to do what God wants to do. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to cut away the flesh of your heart, to circumcise your heart with the word of God and cut away that fleshly part of your heart and transform you into a holy being? The Lord is challenging you today. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't be uncircumcised in your heart and your ears. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Come to the Lord and be changed. Allow him to wash you by the water of his word. Allow the testimony that you hear from John, from all the others in the Bible, to reignite your heart. But let it sink into your heart. Let that two-edged sword of God's word cut your heart to the quick and show you the God's love. God is wanting to do a marvelous work in your heart today. He wants to transform you into his image. He wants to take you once were and make you into something incredible. He wants to conform you to his likeliness. And he uses the Holy Spirit to do this. 
It's the Holy Spirit that does this in your life. And as we yield to the Spirit, He begins to work within us. He changes and takes away that which is not God. Now, the problem with us is, is as the Holy Spirit takes it away, we're going, oh, I like that. No, I want to have that on for a while. No, I want that for a while. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He allows you to have that. And waller and waller and waller until all of a sudden it comes around and he convicts you of that again. Are you finally going to give it to me? Well, yeah. Wait a minute. And you start arguing again, trying to take it back. Takes away those things that are not of God. And he conforms us into the images of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God has ordained all of us to live for him. If you claim to be a Christian, your life is not yours anymore. You've been bought with price. You belong to God through Jesus Christ. He paid for your sins on that cross. He paid the debt that you couldn't pay. So you belong to God. You're not your own person anymore. Your life not your own anymore. It's God's. God's to do with in your life. Have you submitted that life to God? Or are you still being obstinate? No, it's my life. You can't make me. And he won't. He'll let you suffer. He'll let you go through your life banging your head against the wall until you bleed. And when you're ready to call out, he'll be there. He'll be right there because he never leaves nor forsake you. All he asks is us to be willing Willing to live our life for him. Willing to give him all of our life, not just part of it, all of our life. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, guess what, folks? He came and he's in there. He wants to live in there. But he brings along a cross. He brings the cross into the relationship. And everything we have must go to the cross. Does Jesus have a hold of your heart? Or does something else or someone else have a hold of your heart? In whose heart and whose hands is your heart? Only the Lord knows the answer to those questions. But well, I want you to evaluate yourselves this morning. And I want you to ask yourselves these questions. Am I abiding in the Lord through prayer and reading his word? Am I developing a deeper desire for the things of God? Am I filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I seeing the Holy Spirit's power demonstrated in my daily life? Am I experiencing victory over sin and temptation? And am I yielding to my life, giving it to God every single day? These are the things that you need to contemplate. Answer those questions. Am I abiding in the Lord through prayer and reading his word? Am I developing a deeper desire for the things of God? Am I filled and am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I seeing the Holy Spirit's power demonstrated in my life daily? Am I experiencing victory over sin and temptation? And am I yielding my life to his every day? And if there's a problem there, don't sweat. Start today. Repent and start today. Give Christ your life. Give all of it to God. And say, I know I've been slacking on these things, Lord, but I want to change that. I want to come to you now and forever. The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.